Welcome to the Connect with County Leaders podcast, a monthly opportunity to meet and connect with Fairfax County leaders, to learn about the latest county news and information, and hear more on specific Fairfax County programs and services. Now here's your host, Jim Person, with this month's guest. Well, hello, and welcome to Connect with County Leaders. On this edition of the podcast, we're joined by Fairfax County Board of Supervisors Chairman Jeffrey C. McKay. We'll chat about the recent elections, coronavirus and its impacts on Fairfax County, as well as social justice, priorities for the chairman and the Board of Supervisors, and much more. Mr. Chairman, welcome back to the Connect with County Leaders podcast. Good to be with you. I'm glad to be here. Certainly a pleasure to have you, and we certainly do appreciate your uh, your time giving us today. And I, I said welcome back to the Connect with County Leaders podcast. That's because you've uh, been on before once uh, in February, I believe, with uh, County Executive Brian Hill, and we're, uh, we're honored to have you solo this time. So uh, I'm not going to waste a lot of time with... Uh, with the, the banter into, intro back and forth, I want to get right into it. We are recording this the day after a historic election, really, the 2020 elections that uh, saw just tremendous voter turnout. Uh, our community was engaged like le- never before. Your, your thoughts first on the voter turnout. Uh, well, I'm, I'm proud to see uh, such high turnout and interest. Obviously, uh, people being involved in the democratic process is really what uh, makes our country so great. And so uh, it was great to see. You know, I obviously could see the lines at the main government center, visited a lot of the satellite locations and saw uh, the enthusiasm before the election, also the enthusiasm uh, clearly yesterday as I made my way uh, around the county. And so that that's exciting. I do Uh, really have to salute uh, the election staff, the electoral board, uh, all the folks who have been working for months, literally, uh, on making sure that we could have an election, that people could express uh, their, their, you know, their votes in in a way that, you know, recognizes we're sitting here in the midst of a a worldwide pandemic. And so, uh, like so many things this year, uh, the election was different than any other year before. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it certainly makes me proud uh, of the work that was done to, you know, accommodate folks. I mean, if you think about this, we had, you know, more satellite locations opened in more neighborhoods than ever in Fairfax County. Uh, we had uh, brand new laws in Virginia uh, that our electoral board and, and uh, election workers had to uh, respond to, uh, like drop off, you know, ballot boxes. We've never had those before. Uh, no excuse advance voting. We've never had that before. Uh, no witness signature requirement. We've never had that before. And so I think, that, you know, really did a yeoman's job of making sure that hundreds of thousands of people in Fairfax County could vote in lots of different ways. And I, I think as I sit here the day after the election, you know, regardless of the ultimate re- results, I, I sit here as a proud chairman and the way in which the county manage this election, the way in which the electoral workers responded, and the way in which our citizens in a very civil way uh, participated in, you know, an obviously very controversial, high-profile uh, election. Right. And as you said, uh, we, we've said we are recording the day after the, the, the votes were cast, and we're still not knowing a lot of results in many states, jurisdictions, local races, that type of thing. So, uh, the results process this year will uh, will take a while, so we're in- encouraging patience from that standpoint. But now that the 2020 election 
and I'll use that in air quotes, election is over. What's your message to the Fairfax County community? Uh, well, you know, my, my message is similar to what you said, which is this is a time in our nation where, you know, we must be very patient. Uh, we must allow for uh, peaceful transitions. Uh, we must uh, protect the most vulnerable in our community. We must make sure that we still stand out uh, in the world as a country that is managed well, that has peaceful transitions, that recognizes the will of the voters, that, that counts every single vote. And, you know, sometimes, as we're learning in this pandemic, you know, that may take some time. And so, you know, my message to the Fairfax County community is, is stay the course, exercise patience. Obviously, uh, we're not in the thick of it uh, in Virginia or in Fairfax County, um, but the world is watching uh, what's happening. And obviously, there's a handful of states out there that are going through the painstaking task of ensuring every single vote is, is counted the same way we did here. And, you know, democracy is not always easy. It's not always, um, you know, without dust-ups, uh, but it's still the best way to, to run a country anywhere in the world. And, you know, a big part of democracy is making sure that the will of the voters uh, succeeds. And, you know, that, that may take some time here. Hopefully it doesn't. I mean, obviously, I think we'd all rather uh, see this wrapped up sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we, we must remain uh, patient and we must remain um, you know, responsive and, and um, proud of our democratic process and our democratic values and counting every vote. Right. It's, it's been a year since you were elected chairman. I, wanna, I want to take you back to a year ago and that night and then maybe the day after. What, what were your thoughts? What were you thinking? Hey, I've just been elected. <laughs> well, you know, I, this is starting my 25th year in the county. Uh, this year. And so, you know, I think my, my first thought was, um, you know, thankfully the voters put some value uh, in experience. And, and, and really, I had no idea at that point in time what that was going to mean and how quickly that would matter. Um, but, but obviously, it was a huge change. You know, when you go from representing one uh, district in the county to the entire county, the largest county in the entire Commonwealth of Virginia, it's an awesome responsibility and duty, and so I was uh, so proud uh, to be put in a position to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, we've been working so hard and so diligently this year uh, to, to, you know, make sure that we lead this county forward in the right way. Uh, nobody knew uh, that standing there in November a year ago that we were getting ready to enter a year that would be, I think, the most challenging that probably most people in this county have ever experienced. And, right. you know, we can certainly go into that w with a little bit more detail um, later. But for me as chairman, you know, it meant that there wasn't really a lot of time to do the conventional things, you know, to to slowly move through a process. I mean, you know, we had one budget on the table and we immediately had to scrap that and rewrite a budget in a record period of time. Uh, I had members of this board who you know, we're new uh, to the county board, but jumped right in and, and played a meaningful role in making sure that the county continued to advance, even at a time when, you know, we saw across the country uh, many, many more challenges than we faced here in Fairfax. And so, um, you know, going back a year ago, it, it sometimes feels like it was 10 years ago, right. uh, given yeah. what we've been through this year. 
Um, but, you know, when I look back over this last year, too, I also do it with, with a lot of gratitude um, in the way in which not only our board, but the way in which this county has acted and responded during the toughest times. And I always tell people that, you know, the true value of a community is seen in hard times, not in the easy times. And we certainly are blessed here in so many ways. Definitely have some specific questions about COVID-19, coronavirus, we'll, we'll talk to you in just a second. But 11th month now, almost a year, um, what's your perspective as you kind of reflect back on what's happened so far 2020 achievement-wise with the Board of Supervisors? Well, we've achieved a lot. Uh, first, we've transitioned into a new board. You know, we had unprecedented, uh, by Fairfax County standards, turnover on our board, almost half the board knew. Um, right. And so we've successfully uh, transitioned. We have uh, great leaders on this board chairing various committees that, you know, that we've stood up. Uh, we remain dedicated to the core values that many of us got elected uh, with, and those are you know, protecting the environment and dealing with our climate crisis. Those are uh, increasing our stock of affordable housing, uh, making sure that we maintain our AAA bond rating, making sure that we continue to be a place where businesses want to come and invest, uh, a community that ha is the safest of our jurisdiction in the nation. Um, those, um, you know, things that we all ran on are still vitally important. And, and what we've been able to do is flex the way in which we deal with those issues because you don't have necessarily the resources that you thought you would have coming into the year. And so much of our attention, of course, logically has had to shift to responding to the pandemic. And, and you know, with that, you have to be able to respond, but you have to also be able to continue to advance the causes that got you elected in the first place. And what I've been able to see with this board is um, we're able to do that. It's kind of the, the old adage of walking and chewing gum at the same time. Um, and that's what we've been doing. We've been aggressively responding to every element of this pandemic, while at the same time uh, making sure that we advance the issues that are so important to our community in Fairfax and so important to our stakeholders. Right. Priorities for you as chairman and the board, I'm, I'm sure after hearing what you've said that they, because of COVID-19, have not changed, but has there been maybe any evolution of, of priorities or goals? There, there has been, and I think um, what this has really done for us is allowed everyone to take a step back and take stock of you know what's, what's really most important uh, in our lives. And, and I'll just use the example of affordable housing because it's an easy one. Um, you know, coming into this year, uh, we all were dedicated to growing our affordable housing so that our you know, our heroes in our community, our first responders, our teachers, our health care workers, all those folks um, who struggle to find affordable housing in the county would, would be able to, to do that. And I think what's happened with this pandemic is we, we now have a whole new set of heroes that we, we didn't really think about as heroes before. Uh, mm -hmm. But they're the people working in the grocery stores, in the retail establishments, driving delivery trucks that, you know, to our homes to provide goods and services uh, to keep our economy moving and to keep us uh, safe and productive. And so what we found is there's this whole new set of heroes um, that we, we many of us have taken for granted, and those individuals are also struggling 
uh, to find a, an affordable place to live, which is the foundation of economic success. And so, um, you know, that's one example where, you know, that's just kind of taken on a whole new light uh, now as a result of the pandemic than it did before. Maybe it's more now about individual people and faces and people with we that we interact with instead of just, you know, a, a good public policy. And mm-hmm. so I think what this has done is, you know, really, as I said, given us a chance to take a step back, uh, think about what's really important uh, to our community, reprioritize some things, think about our emerging strategic plan in a different way, um, and really also uh, help build up uh, the confidence that people in this county have in their local government. And, and so much of COVID for the last year has brought doubt in people's minds about government, about protecting you know, people's health and how that happens. And I've been so proud in our county that, that people still look at us as the reliable source of good information. Um, and, you know, they look at us to help build up everyone in this community and get us through a pandemic. I think we're doing an excellent job doing that, but it certainly uh, has changed our perspective on so many things while not changing, you know, a lot of our end goals. Right. You, you've kind of addressed this and, and talked a lot about this so far, but is there a way to characterize the, the county's response to the pandemic? Uh, I would characterize it as, as you know, measured, as aggressive, mm. um, and as sophisticated. And, you know, mm. I, I say those for, for a lot of reasons. For one, uh, you know, we immediately... Uh, put a lot of resources, time, and effort into our health department. We have the most sophisticated health department in the state by, by a mile. And we said that's not enough in a pandemic. You know, we want to hire hundreds of contact tracers to aggressively deal with this issue. We want to aggressively test people in our community. Over 10,000 tests a week um, is, is routine now in this county. And, you know, so putting putting those resources into our health department um, shows people the level of sophistication and the and the obligation that we have to get this in order. Uh, right. Then clearly, uh, our business community, our, our families in the county are, are suffering a great deal. And so, you know, putting tens of millions of dollars into small business grants through the RISE grant program has literally saved a lot of our small businesses in this county. And I have many small business owners who have told me that putting tens of millions of dollars into our community-based nonprofits to provide food and emergency relief and utility support, rent relief uh, for people who have lost their jobs as a result of, of COVID, um, you know, shows the empathy uh, that people in this community have uh, for their neighbors and, and doing that in a sophisticated, organized way. Um, you know, those things just don't happen a lot of places, and, and we're really lucky here uh, to, to be able to succeed. And, and then lastly, you know, we have a public who, you know, looks at the initiatives the county is doing um, and, and wants to play a role and help. So when we tell people to follow CDC guidelines and we tell people to be safe out there and to wear masks, you know, people uh, generally abide by that. They believe in data. Uh, they believe in the science behind pandemics, and they want to play a role in helping each other. And they realize that, you know, this isn't about them so much as it's about everybody else in their life. And right. they're willing to make sacrifices to protect their neighbors and their family and to hunker down as we get through this. And, and seeing our community respond that way, 
um, has been just just a proud moment uh, for me, but should be a proud moment for everyone who lives in this county that when people say we're all in this together, it's not just a phrase, but it's literally what we're doing in Fairfax County. Right. You mentioned the uh, the RISE grant program to help the small businesses. I'm, I'm sure everybody is knows and feels the impact of COVID-19 on the economy. You want to talk a little bit more about uh, the county's efforts to help support the small businesses? You mentioned the RISE grant. I don't know if there's anything else you want to address or can talk about there. I do uh, want to because this is an area where, you know, what we were most concerned about at the beginning of this pandemic remain concerned about now isn't necessarily some of the big companies in the county that you know we're lucky to have but uh, it's really about those small mom and pop shops that add so much cultural diversity uh, to to our county and and you know when we think about small businesses we know that they're the bread and butter of our local economy here and so we targeted this grant program towards the smallest of businesses. We put $58 million into it, not an insignificant uh, amount of money. And 95% of the people who applied were small businesses, 83% of them, 83% had between one and 10 employees. So these wow. really are your, your neighborhood stores that we need to, to stand up uh, and support. 69% uh, of the applications were from women, minority, and veteran-owned businesses that we, you know, explicitly targeted uh, for our program. Many of the people who fall into those categories were not successfully um, tapping into state or federal aid, and are absolutely vital uh, to our local economy. And so, you know, I'm proud to say we had over 6,000 businesses. Uh, submit applications. The board approved enough money to make sure that every single eligible business uh, would get a grant from the county and, and a grant, not a loan. I mean, this was a mm-hmm. grant. I mean, it's hard enough to be able to respond to the pandemic. We certainly didn't want to add uh, debt to our small business books. And so, uh, you know, I, th- I think this is an example of the, of really not just the importance of our small businesses, but the value that our community and the value that our board put into having them uh, as a major part of our community. And if you think about your neighborhood shopping center, whatever is closest to your home, uh, you know that it has small businesses throughout it. And many of them um, are really struggling right now as people are staying home uh, more, not eating out. Uh, Our restaurants and hospitality businesses in particular have been hard hit. And so uh, while we did this first, you know, round of RISE grants and most of the money came from the Federal CARES Act, you know, we are hopeful that there's future federal stimulus money because a one-time grant to many of these businesses will not be enough to help them get through ultimately almost an entire year of, you know, of impact from COVID. And so I'm hopeful uh, regardless of who's in the next administration, that we get some additional uh, federal stimulus money to help our families, but also uh, to counties to help us save these small businesses that are struggling and will continue to struggle. Right. right. The pandemic, business, and schools, we've heard a lot about you know businesses being closed, reopening business, get the economy stimulated. But also lots of discussion about schools, trying to get kids back into school, virtual learning, those type of things. The county, what is the county doing? What has the county done to 
work with the school system, support the school system? It's a great question. Um, Let me start with, you know, sharing uh, with our listeners that I have an elementary school uh, student and a middle school student uh, in FCPS um, at home. And so I always start with that because I I can (laughs) acknowledge the tremendous amount of stress uh, and challenges that our families are facing right now. I experience it at home myself, you know, trying to juggle this job, my, my wife trying to juggle her job, and at the same time making sure that, you know, our kids are actively participating. And as much as that is a struggle, uh, we are blessed with something that many families don't have, which is, you know, the type of oversight, uh, parental oversight to be able to do that. And so my largest concern throughout Uh, this pandemic with schools is what's happening to our kids that don't have stable homes, what's happening to our kids that don't have, you know, hot meals every day, and how is their academic achievement being affected? And so leads into the answer to your question, what have we been doing? What we've been doing is everything we physically possibly can uh, to support schools and put them in a position to be able to reopen But at the same time, while they're closed, which I think many of us completely understand why they are closed, what can we do to help the neediest in our community? And that's where, you know, we've put up our SRS, Safe Return to School program, uh, so that, you know, kids can have enrichment, especially at our Title I schools throughout the day in a safe environment. That's a county-run program. You know, it used to be it's a a version of, of the SAC program run by the county. Uh, to support our schools. And we thought it was really important to continue to do that and not as before and after school, but an all-day program for kids who don't have parents at home to support them. And so I'm really proud of the work that we've done uh, putting that up at our Title I schools, 37 locations uh, throughout the county, being able to uh, have kids participate in that. Uh, We also uh, allocated of that same CARES Act money uh, nearly $20 million more million to FCPS to support their distance learning. I think all of us were challenged with the way distance learning was launched at the end of last school year and knew that this school year it, it had to be done right. And so, you know, our investment in distance learning and in PPE and uh, some of the technology needs that the schools had, uh, that $20 million went towards that. So we've helped them financially. We've helped them with the Safe Returns to School program. And then lastly, you know, our health department's in regular communication with them about best practices and, you know, what thoughts they should be giving to uh, parameters for reopening. And, and I, I will say this, you know, this is a tough position for our school board to be in. And I think just like we talked about the election, Uh, This is testing everyone's patience. Um, But, you know, first and foremost has to be about protecting people's lives, uh, including our teachers, including our, you know, seniors who sometimes reside in the same homes as many of our students that are going home to every day. Uh, There's a lot at stake here. And, you know, when we do gradually get to reopening, I think all of us have to change our mindset towards not will there be infections, uh, COVID infections, but more if there are, how do we respond to them? And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, you know, we really need to all shift to, to be able to help schools, you know, in the next chapter. But what what lingers for me and concerns me the most um, are how many kids are falling behind, uh, how many kids are going to need additional enrichment to catch up. um, And then lastly, what is the emotional toll 
uh, that some of our kids are, are dealing with without the in-person interactions with, with other kids through, throughout the day. And so right. uh, it's a really tough situation. But my, my message to the school board, and I talk to the school board chair regularly as well as the superintendent, is we are here uh, to help in any way we possibly can uh, when they need assistance. And I think that's where we need to be as a board right now. Okay, very good. We're talking with uh, Fairfax County Board of Supervisors Chairman Jeffrey C. McKay here on the Connect with County Leaders podcast. And while we could probably talk for another hour or two about COVID-19 impacts on Fairfax County, what the county has been doing, et cetera, I do have a couple of other subjects I want to get to, Mr. Chairman. I want to obviously talk about your chairman's task force on equity and opportunity, also uh, climate change and, uh, you know, taking a look at... uh, the next three years for you and the Board of Supervisors. But first of all, the, the Chairman's Task Force on Equity and Opportunity, we've we've heard the, the term social justice. We, we see the social justice movement, um, you know, critically important climate change recently. First of all, social justice, what, what does that mean to you? Uh, really, it means to me a, a fair playing ground uh, where everyone has a chance to succeed. And to me, it, it runs the gamut from... You know, a lot of people focus on our criminal justice system. I focus on, you know, our entire community. Do we have parks and recreation in neighborhoods that need them? Do we have high-quality schools? Do we have after-school programming? Do we have uh, social supports and human services uh, in our communities so that, you know, our working people can have a chance to succeed in this economy? And so for me, uh, social justice is uh, really epitomized in our One Fairfax initiative in Fairfax, where we're looking at intentionality and intentionally looking at every decision we make and saying, are we lifting up all people here or are we leaving entire sections of our population behind? And I think one of the reasons this is on the front burner now is driven by criminal justice issues. But uh, frankly, in the county, long before those issues bubbled up to the surface, um, you know, I was proud to be working with our, um, you know, county and, and our school board partners uh, on our One Fairfax initiative because we recognized years ago, and, and really this is kind of rooted, you know, in my childhood having grown up in the southeastern end of the county along the Route 1 corridor, um, it was quite, a, quite clear to me as I got older that the conditions that we grew up in were not the same as the conditions in other parts of the county. And the, the goal here is never to diminish the success of other parts of the county. We're, we're very proud of that. The goal really is how do you look at those areas of the county that don't have uh, some of those same opportunities and how do we build them up? How do we make sure that the decisions we make are uplifting all corners of the county? And to me, um, you know, that is uh, social justice. It, it is making sure that all people have a chance to succeed and that governments and communities uh, put in place infrastructure in, in a fair, balanced way that, that doesn't leave any portion of our population behind. And so often you can see disproportionality you know, by race. You can see it by income. Uh, in the county, you can see it in zip codes uh, where even life expectancy can be quite a bit different in one end of the county than in other parts of the county. And um, you know, we really should be looking at high life expectancies everywhere. Uh, in a community like Fairfax County. And so it's a very broad uh, subject for me. I'm glad, I have to say, as someone who was 
uh, drumming this this for a long time and trying to get attention focused on you know equity issues in the county that some of the national unrest and and protesting that's happened recently uh, is shining a light uh, even more so on this issue and I know we've kind of close the the chapter on talking about covid on this but you know covid was is another one of those examples of you know the inequities that exist in our community just an infection rate uh, based on people's occupation on their living conditions um, you know so that too shined a light on the fact that we as a community we as a nation uh, have to do a better job making sure that we're lifting all people up mm-hmm how does your task force, the the chairman's task force on equity and opportunity, how does how does that uh, task force fit, and and are there goals of the task force that you're looking to have it accomplish? Well, I think it fits nicely. I mean, this is a, a very talented uh, group of individuals from all different spectrums uh, of the community, all different corners of the county, all different backgrounds, and. Um, all different specialties coming to the table, trying to help us be a community uh, that is ahead uh, of this issue as we move forward and making sure that, you know, the decisions we make in the future uh, take our One Fairfax initiative and and make it cemented uh, in our community. And I think you're going to see from them some very concrete recommendations on some things we can do in the county. Um, to you know, help lift up those parts of the county that feel like they've been left behind. And so, um, you know, again, this is about you know creating a county where where all people can thrive. And so, this, this the task force is made up of forty three people. Um, it's not a long term task force. My goal with this was not, you know, to have roundtable conversations about uh, equity for the next couple years. My my charge to them. And my goal for them is to give us some concrete recommendations on policies and things we can do in the county that can immediately make a difference in the lives of people who are struggling. And in that vein, uh, they are to present their findings to the board uh, next January, which, you know, was, we're sitting wow. here in November. It's right around the corner. And so um, it's a very ambitious goal, but again, a very talented group of people. And, and I can't wait to see you know, what recommendations they make to the board. And I think there's going to be some low-hanging fruit here. I think there's going to be some things that they immediately point out we can do. And then I think there's also going to be some much longer-term things that, you know, hopefully invoke more of a conversation so that while the task force work ends in January, um, that the work of the county board then just begins. And some of these things may take many years for us uh, to accomplish. Others may be able to be accomplished very soon. Right. Two two more questions, and uh, maybe I know this is not a quick answer, but <laughs> we'll, we'll try to do this one uh, sort of quickly so that we'll have more time for the for the last question when we talk about the next three years, what's ahead. But another priority for the county uh, is mitigating impacts of climate change throughout throughout the community. There's something called Fairfax Green Initiatives. I want to make sure we brought that up and let you tell us about that. What's the What's the purpose? What's the strategy? What is Fairfax Green Initiatives? Well, first, um, you know, the Fairfax Green Initiatives is a whole collection uh, of environmental uh, goals that we have uh, for the county. And I think anyone who's listening, you know, realizes that, you know, science and experts point to us being in a climate emergency. Uh, This is not something that is hypothetical anymore, not something we can push off for better budget years or 
you know, better federal support down the road. This is something that individual counties and communities have to take um, action on, and we have to do it now. And so we, we began, um, you know, in really beginning of September, uh, updating what was called our 20, 2008 uh, policy uh, on the environment. And, and, you know, we realized that 2008, when it comes to technology and the way green initiatives have changed, was a million years ago. Uh, and right. so here we are 12 years later making updates to that. And, and really it's to, to put us on a path to net zero energy. I think that's ultimately you know, the goal that, that all of us should have. And certainly technology is, is playing a major role in that. Um, right. But the, this green initiatives is just, you know, it, it's meant to encompass a lot of things. But the, you know, the initiative that I just mentioned to get to net green zero is, is, is a big part of that. But it's also in a, in a weird kind of way, a small part of it, because we've introduced mm-hmm. uh, 33 energy related action items for county staff to advance more quickly uh, in this last year. Um, and as you know, uh, we're going through a ZMOD process to update our zoning ordinance and, you know, provide better incentives for green initiatives in our zoning ordinance, whether that's supporting electrical vehicle charging infrastructure or solar projects. Uh, we also um, have put in place, um, you know, a lot of these same initiatives with the schools who own a lot of our buildings as well. You know, how do we get to, you're not going to get to net zero energy without robust solar uh, power initiatives. And so we have the largest solar power initiative in the entire state in Fairfax County with our combined school and county buildings. And so, you know, when we talk about our Fairfax Green initiatives, we're talking about a comprehensive uh, collection of aggressive plans and policies that the county has put in place or is working on putting in place to aggressively confront climate change. And I think, you know, when this board is done, we'll look back on this first term. Uh, when this board is done, I think we will have by far the most aggressive, um, you know, climate uh, solutions uh, initiatives anywhere in the state and, and maybe in most parts of the country. Because, I, you know, as, as I go around the county and talk to folks, you know, they believe this is one of the major crises of our time if it goes unaddressed. And poll after poll shows that, you know, people believe that the, the climate is, is failing us and that people's health, health is being affected by it on a daily basis. And so we're going to continue to aggressively tackle this issue. And last thing I'll say is because we are the largest county in Virginia, I think we have a moral obligation to set an example uh, for the rest of the state and how you can do these in a economically effective way, uh, in a way that supports our business community, but can also support our environment at the same time. And and it is possible to do that. For too long, we've pitted those two things against each other. And I think those days are far behind us. Wow. I was going to kind of make a joke about the last question being a softball question, because you've already addressed COVID-19 budget implications, school system, working with them, social justice, equity, opportunity, uh, climate change, green initiatives. I I was going to ask the question, what are your goals and the board's goals for the next three years? I mean, I'm sure there are others, but you've already listed off a tremendous amount of things to, to accomplish 
what what else is there to do? What more can you do over the next three years? Well, maybe get some sleep every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, I mean, as you said, um, there, there is a lot on our plate. But, you know, underlying all of that, um, you know, are, are some fundamental things we talked about earlier. I mean, to succeed in all these areas, uh, we have to continue to have an economy here uh, that is, is moving along. We have to respond uh, and and literally uh, recover uh, from this pandemic to make sure that all of these initiatives, you know, continue to advance into the future. And so, you know, a big part of what I'm focused on is how do we emerge uh, at this point? You know, I think uh, we're going to continue to battle COVID-19, but how do we emerge from that a better community? How do we take this, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where we have just been through one of the toughest years ever. And how do we turn that into a positive? Uh, how do we change our policy thinking? How do we change uh, the way in which our county government responds? Um, you know, we have done so many things this year, you know, even, even simple things like keeping our county workforce working, uh, keeping our, our residents served uh, by the county in a whole new way with, with telework and with all the other things that we've been through this year. And, and I think as we move forward, we have to take all of those things and turn them into a positive moving forward. Can we do business as a county government differently? Uh, what did we learn from COVID-19? Can we think about our policies and the issues that we deal with a little bit differently than we did before? How do we think about um, keeping economic opportunity moving forward, growing our uh, commercial business base? How do we continue to put in place better programs to protect our most vulnerable, not just during a pandemic, but during normal times? Um, mm -hmm. And how can we build a more uh, strong uh, county as a result of this? And as I said, I've been so proud at the way in which, to a person, uh, people I've talked to in the county have responded uh, to this pandemic. It just makes me so proud uh, to be chairman during this tough time. But what will make me even more proud is how we can turn this really tough year in, into an, an opportunity moving forward. And I think that's really uh, what is on my mind over the next couple of years is building off of this into a, a more prosperous, better future for our residents. Well, Mr. Chairman, I want to be respectful for your time. I know we could talk much, much more about many more things, but uh, I do want to be respectful of your time in hopes that we can bring you back again for future updates. So thank you for being with us, sir. Absolutely. My, my pleasure as always, and uh, appreciate all you do here to uh, help get information out to, to our employees and to our public. Uh, really appreciate the work you do as well. This has been the Connect with County Leaders podcast. To listen to other great Fairfax County podcasts, visit fairfaxcounty.gov podcasts. And for additional audio content, tune in to Fairfax County Government Radio at fairfaxcounty.gov radio. For more Fairfax County news and event information, visit News Center online at fairfaxcounty.gov news. You also may call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329. 7329 weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. or email publicaffairs at fairfaxcounty.gov. The Connect with County Leaders podcast is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia Government.